Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. I hope you guys are all doing good today. Uh, I'm going to do a couple of short shows for the next this week and next week just because I want to re- drill down to some really important things that you all uh, email me about and talk to me about all the time. And uh, I don't necessarily need to talk just to hear myself talk. I want to talk because I'm giving you good information that you can utilize. So... With that, I wanted to talk about uh, some of the things that, like I said, really bother you a lot and and I hear over and over and over. And one of them is repeating questions over and over. Why do people do that? And families get really uptight when somebody that is confused asks the same question over and over. And they'll get irritated with it, you know, and, and, and I understand that. It can grate on your nerves a little bit. But part of this might be because the person is feeling fear and insecurity. They can't make sense out of their world. It's spinning out of control. They don't know what's going on. They're confused about the time and the place. They don't know how to put a, a sentence together. And it becomes really difficult for them to communicate with you. So when that happens, even if it's just, you know, for a brief period of time, they don't have any idea, no recollection whatsoever that they have just asked you a question. And I did a show about, you know, people with the diagnosis talking to me about things that that they found interesting. And one of them was that a person said, I never realized that I've asked the same question over and over until I see the person's face who looks like they're about ready to strangle me uh, because they get irritated with that. And um, they will point out that they will write it down for me or something like that. And then I'm like, oh, I guess I asked this a couple times, right? So when they don't know that they've asked you, they're asking again because they really honestly don't know. And instead of answering that question over and over and over again and irritating yourself and not giving them the answer that they want, maybe you should deal with the emotion of it, I say this all the time, rather than the symptom. So just reassure the person that everything's fine. You'll take care of whatever needs to be done at this particular hour. You'll you'll address all their unmet needs. You'll do everything you can to take care of them. And even if that person is worried about something else that they're unable to express, If you can kind of guess what's going on, what time of day is it? When are they asking you the same question over and over? Was this a time when they did the same thing every day at this time for years and years and years? Um, 
and try to piece the puzzle together of what it is they may be distressed about. And if you can do that, if you can correctly guess what that is, they might relax. I mean, I'll give you an example. If they are asking about someone who has passed away, when are they coming home? When are they, when are they going to come and visit them? When are they, you know, going to be there? Even if that person's been gone for many, many years, deceased for many, many years, they would either, you know, like get upset about missing the person and crying that they're missing them. Or just ask the question over and over and over again. And so what they're really asking about is you understanding that they miss that person, that they miss that person's presence. They miss the safety and the, and the, the coping skills that that person provided. They miss everything about them. And they feel lost in the relationships. They feel lost in their world. They feel like the person that was closest to them, they need them. They need them to be present. So I've talked about this before, but pulling out photo albums, going over and show them, showing them pictures on the wall, um, you know, tell me more theory. Tell me about that person. Tell them. Tell me what you would say to them if they were in the room, those kinds of things can help you get to what that unmet need is. A lot of times people with Alzheimer's will ask those repetitive questions just because of the sheer fact that they are lost. They are lost in time. They are lost in space. They don't know what day it is. They don't know what month it is. They don't know where they are sometimes. They're struggling with just who they are. They're struggling with who you are. They're struggling with the lack of independence. They're struggling with not recognizing items in their own house and not being able to fix their own meals or the, the bathroom plumbing is stressful for them, whatever that is. And it can be so discombobulating. It can be so difficult and stressful for them that it comes out in a repetitive question. And I've said this over and over many, many times. Look for past routines. What did they do? What was their routine when they got up in the morning, went to work, Uh, Or if they stayed at home, what was their routine? Did they have a cup of coffee first? Did they watch Good Morning America? Did they head out the door? Did they have a meeting at 10 o'clock? Did they eat lunch every day at 1130? What was that person's routine? If you can figure that out, a lot of times it can solve the repetitive questions. And sometimes those repetitive questions come because of things you are saying. So if you are telling them that you're going to be over in a little while or you'll be leaving soon or something like that, that creates anxiety. If they're looking for something that's going to be happening in the future, speaking in hypothetical terms, all that does is distress a person. It makes them anxious. They don't understand what an hour from now means. Rhetorical questions are useless. 
They are absolutely useless. So try to steer away from that. Try to stay away from looking at time frames and time periods or, you know, saying, I have to leave in 15 minutes, so we have to get this and this done. I've said it a thousand times. Don't rush a person. Don't try to get them to do something on your timing. If you don't have the patience to give them X amount of time to do something, like get ready to go to the doctor, telling them that we have to be at the doctor at 9 o'clock and if you don't hurry, we're not going to make it, will not help your cause. It absolutely will not help your cause. So try to move away from things like that. Other things that happen are when they do things that are really repetitive. Repeating the same action over and over and over. Getting up and walking out of the room. Folding laundry that's already folded. Um, you know, setting the table and then resetting the table. Going to get a cup of coffee, getting a cup of coffee, and then going back and getting another cup for a cup of coffee. Um, Walking around the kitchen like they're a caged animal, just, you know, pacing and pacing and pacing. Why do they do things like that? And it's because the damaged mind has a tendency to just get stuck. It gets stuck on one activity. It can't shift gears to a new activity. When that does happen, just try to... Be really gentle and suggest that the person does something else. Redirect them. Don't pressure them or upset them. You don't want to get some kind of a catastrophic reaction out of them, but try to try to pat their hand. Try to take their hand and say, why don't you sit down and I'll get you something to drink. I'll get you something to eat. Um if if they're going the wrong direction or they're doing something they shouldn't, you could just like gently touch them and say, hey, maybe this way and point a different direction. When we use cueing skills, tactile, verbal, visual, sometimes those are better when the person doesn't understand the spoken word. So just a gentle touch a point in a direction, grabbing them by the hand and saying, here, hold this utensil. Um, Hold this paper towel. Whatever it is, anything that you can do to get them to stop pacing, to make them feel needed because these are the things, my friends, you email me about and you say, this is driving me crazy. They get up in the morning and they go up and down the stairs, up and down the stairs. They go out to the mailbox 15 times. They ask me the same question over and over. Why do they do that? They're not trying to make you nuts. Once you can accept the disease process and that their mind is not 
functioning properly. It is impaired, and that is why they have repetitive questions or repetitive actions. And you can accept that. It will make you move forward about a thousand paces to be able to put it away so it doesn't bother you. And if you can't redirect them, go do something yourself. If you can wait five minutes, ten minutes, and you know they're in a safe place, they can pace all they want to while you go into your den or you go out into your backyard or you go out and check something in the front yard, whatever it is, if you can do that, you can come back in and chances are they will have forgotten what they were doing. Again, I said this a a thousand times. The one gift that Alzheimer's gives us is that that person has a short memory. So if you can put something on the table that they can sort, if you can give them a newspaper to read or a People magazine to look at or send them out to take the dog out in the backyard to go to the bathroom... Whatever redirection you can give them will benefit you so that you can stop being bothered by it. It's more in your mind of not being able to deal with that repetitive action than it is for them because they're out of mind. That's what dementia means in Latin. And they're not able to think clearly. So it doesn't really bother them that they don't remember what they just asked you. It doesn't really bother them that they're pacing around looking for something to do or looking for somebody who who isn't there or shouldn't be there because they're, they're gone. They don't know what they don't know. When you get to a place where that person is blissfully confused, it's actually kind of a beautiful thing. Because at that point, you can just sort of let things be. You can you you can just say, oh, well, we saw them yesterday. They, they won't be around for a few days. Or um, how about I walk with you? I'll just walk with you until we just get tired of walking. How about we go outside and take a walk around the block? Let's put on some shoes and socks and go take a walk. If you can figure those things out so that you can live with it, that's the only way you're going to find a copacetic way to deal with these symptoms. Remember, you're the only one that can change what you do. That person can't change what they do. So your communication skills are incredibly important in terms of being able to be effective and make them feel comfortable. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. 
we offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders, such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others, are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988, to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at summitresiliencetraining.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Okay, so like I said, this is a shorter show today. And thank you for listening to my commercial about my company, so now you know what I do. But uh, I wanted to talk about some very specific things that I get emails about. So I started off the show with repetitive questions and actions. Now I want to move to them being very distractible, okay? Um, They can have a very short attention span. You could be sitting at the dinner table with them or playing cards or something, and they'll get up and walk out of the room. You could be having a conversation with them, and they just walk out of the room. They might train their thought in a different direction when you're trying to get them in the shower. And that's hard enough, and you think you're home free, and you've got the shower on, you've got them in no clothes, you turn your back for one second to grab a towel, and they're back down in the living room, right? They might even try and grab your shirt or the cover on a bed or something when you're trying to get them dressed. One of the things I see often in care communities And I do see this in homes. I hear this from spouses. They will try to grab your food. They'll try to eat your food. Now, some people do that anyway. (laughs) I was uh, out for Mother's Day. We did an early Mother's Day with my daughter and her family. And my husband, when he finished eating his sweet potato fries, reached over and started eating mine. Now, it doesn't bother me because, first of all, I've been on a diet and lost a bunch of weight, and I shouldn't be eating fries in the first place. So if he wants to eat some of my sweet potato fries, I'm okay with that. But sometimes people that have Alzheimer's or various memory loss will reach over and take your food. Why do they do that? Why do they walk off while you're talking to them? Why do they have their brains wander when you're trying to communicate with them? Well, part of our brain filters are used to filter things out that we don't want to pay attention to. (laughs) If you have a roommate or you have a spouse, there are times when we want to tune them out. There's times when we're just over the unimportant noise, you know, 
we we have been listening to people all day long. We've been we've been talking all day long and we're kind of done. We just you you kind of stare at your phone or you stare at your TV screen and you just sort of ignore the person that's talking to you. But when dementia diseases damages your ability to stay focused, that person might be easily distracted or attracted to everything that is happening even if it's unimportant. Even if it's unimportant. Um, asking you who you're talking to or what was just said on the TV or is this a fork or, um, you know, I just grabbed a Kleenex. Did, did you see I just grabbed a Kleenex? Whatever it is. Sometimes they say things that don't make any sense. And if you can identify the things that will distract them and kind of eliminate them if you can, like a dog or a cat, they're usually pretty good for that. Uh, Talking to somebody that they know, you know, calling somebody on the phone to keep them busy for a few minutes so you can do something else. Um, Something on the television sudden noises. Oh, look, a plane's going over. Let's let's look at that for a minute. And if you have to, if you have to reduce those things, keep the doors closed. Try to make sure that you only have one piece of clothing sitting there when you're trying to dress them. If they're taking food off of your plate, put their plate a little further away from other people sitting at the dinner table. Put them on the end. Okay? Try to have less visitors over at at a time. Don't have, you know, 10 people in the house at one time. I guarantee they'll get up and walk out of the room. And if they are, you do have a lot of people, make sure that you have places where they can visit in a calm, quiet area so that they can just talk to that person. And, of course, again, we're talking about memory lane. We're... We're not talking about current happenings and your what's happening in your daily life right now because more than likely if a person needs this kind of focus, uh, talking to them about current items and, and current um, things that are happening and situations in the world, they're not going to be able to follow. So keep it, keep it simple. Talk to them about things that make them laugh or that make them uh, help them Touch them on some kind of an emotional level if you can. And if you find that they are really distracted and upset with a lot of crap on TV, then turn it off or turn on, you know, Heartland or turn on um, Hallmark or something, a baseball game or something that's not going to fire them up, something that's going to kind of keep them quiet and, and, and feeling good. And when you are doing things like having them eat a meal or something like that, put them in an area where other people are not moving around and talking all the time. If you're all in the kitchen, put them in another room. Put them in the TV with the t- in the TV room with a TV tray, not necessarily with the TV on, 
or put them in a breakfast nook, put, put them in the dining room or something like that so there aren't a bunch of people walking around them and interrupting them and, you know, diverting their attention so they get up and walk away and don't eat. So little things like that can help you enormously. One of the other things that I hear about all the time, and the reason I'm talking about all this today anyway, is because tomorrow my UCH class is all about managing your emotions, and I'm going to go into all of these things in deep detail because these are the kind of things that get people's ire up. These are the kinds of things that make them irritable, and it's unfortunate, but you know, sometimes people lose their togetherness when when they just get these same repetitive symptoms happening over and over again, and then it becomes more of a problem with the caregiver than it does with the actual person. So here's one of the big ones. Somebody following you around or clinging to you. They'll follow you room to room. If you leave the room, they freak out. You go into the bathroom or basement or outside, they have a meltdown. When you're trying to do some kind of a task or you're trying to get a job done, you're trying to talk on the phone, you're trying to work, and they come in and interrupt you. Maybe you're trying to take a nap, take a little rest. They want to wake you up. And I think there are not very many things that can irritate you more than having them follow you around the house. But if you think about it, it's not really that strange of a behavior if you are their person. If you are the person that has loved them and cared for them their whole life. They trust you as the person that is caring for them. Their whole world is spinning out of control. They constantly forget from moment to moment to moment. Nothing is the same anymore. How scary would that be to have your world upside down, inside out? Nothing makes sense. You can't remember what day it is, what time it is. Who are the people coming in and talking to you? Why is that Indian chasing somebody on the television set? Oh, no. What what are these bombs going off? What is going on? What time is it? I'm hungry. Oh, I can't even say I'm hungry. How do I find the words to say I'm hungry? Do I have my shirt on backwards? They have all this stuff going on in their brain. You're the only piece of security they have in this entire confusing world. And when they can't depend on themselves to remember the things in life that are necessities, that one form of security that they have is to hang on to you. If you know they're safe, if you know what day it is, you know what time it is, you know what we're supposed to be doing, and they're close to you, then they're safe. That does not bring joy to any of you out there. <laughs> but what I want to do is piece together some understanding on this. A person with cognitive impairment and memory loss 
isn't going to understand that when you go into the bathroom, you're going to come right back out. It, it, it seems like you just vanished into thin air. Where are you? And maybe you spend 10, 15 minutes in there because that's your quiet time. You, you were able to lock the door. But now they're shaking the door. They're touching the door. They're trying to get in. Put child-proof doorknobs on the door so they can't get out, get in, out or in. It can help you get some privacy. Um, I had a lady that had this problem with her husband, so I suggested that she turned on a timer and say, when the timer goes off, I'll be back. And that seemed to help. You know, you can give them some headphones to listen to some music for about 20 minutes or something like that. Um, you know, if you know they like music, if I had Alzheimer's, that'd work for me. Try not to let these incredibly annoying things get to you. When they get to you, everybody loses. It wears you down. You need... You need something. You need to go visit somebody. You need to go get some coffee at Starbucks. You might need to want to take a nap. You might want to take an uninterrupted bath. Who can help you with that? Can you hire a caregiver? Can you ask a family friend to come over and help you? Can't use any medications to solve this. It won't work. You just get more side effects that cause more problems. So just finding simple engagement pieces for them so that they're not constantly following you around. I used to have my mom, when she was staying with me, uh, just work on um, different colored and different size paper clips and stuff like that. And she would just put them by color and size and things like that. You could have somebody dust for a minute, stack magazines, fold clothes, wind up a ball of yarn, go out and water the plants, load the dishwasher, unload the dishwasher, whatever it is. What can you do to keep them busy so that you're not losing your mind? What can you do? Well, the biggest thing you can do is make a plan and work through that. Okay? Try to figure out a list of things that you can do that can help that person be successful. Help yourself be successful. And recognize that they are not of sound mind and they are struggling. You are of sound mind, and you have the ability to troubleshoot and fix it. I'm going to do another short show and continue on some of the things I'm going to talk about in the class I'm doing tomorrow. So I'm going to just spread this over two shows so that you guys don't get overwhelmed. I hope you have a great week, and I will see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. You've been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. 
To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.